Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Aaron Goldsmith alongside Gary Hill, and it's always great to be joined by Mariners Assistant General Manager Justin Hollander, friend of the broadcast. Justin, it's great to see you, man. How are you? Friend of the broadcast. Yeah. That's a first. That's awesome. Friend of the of the podcast, the broadcast, any kind of cast that we have. I would have said great friend, but friend is fine. Oh, really a wonderful friend, a true friend. A true well, friend. Yeah, yeah, Long time like, friend? I like a true friend. True friend's oh. nice. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we've already covered a lot of ground here. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> hey, Justin, this has been a, a really fun stretch of baseball for the Mariners, and no surprise, Julio Rodriguez has been front and center, whether it's on the base paths, at the plate, in center field. Breaking uh, up bench-clearing brawls. That's right. He, he really does do it all. You know, we, we joked. We really weren't joking. We were being serious about it a, a while ago at this point that we are already at the point with Julio two months and change into his career where we have to remind ourselves he's 21 years old. Are you guys finding yourselves having to do the same thing? Yeah, because he's really putting himself in unique company with how quickly it's all happening for him and at the level that's all happening for him. I actually ran into Mike Cameron downstairs earlier and we were talking about a spring training conversation we had as a staff about whether Julio was ready for this. And my answer is no, because no one ever is, but I think he'll figure it out very quickly. And Cam said something to me like, oh, you nailed it. I said, I was just guessing. I had no idea it was coming this fast. It's it's pretty amazing to watch every night. And I think the well-roundedness that you hit on, it's happening fast in center field for him. He makes all the plays. He's playing a plus defensive center field. He's a huge weapon on the bases. Every time he gets on, he's a threat to steal and put himself in scoring position. And then obviously the way he's acclimated to the big leagues, using the whole field, hitting for a high average, uh, and really being an impact bat in the middle of the lineup. You know. 75 days into a major league career at 21 years old it's it's pretty unique it's awesome i can't get over the context of when we talk about julio as we mentioned the age him being a rookie his first year because we see it all the time hitting is really hard right now for everybody veterans and rookies alike but especially for young players and we've seen young players all over baseball super talented young players struggle out of the gates it's something that happens all over baseball now and Julio, yeah, at the beginning did, but he overcame that fast, and he has put up some monster numbers. What has allowed him to be so successful this early on in his career? I think it's not just one thing and sort of a combination of everything. One, talent. I mean, you know, you reference a lot of talented players. His talent is probably next level. It's just mm-hmm. a different spot than, than most of the top 1%, so he even separates himself from that group. And then I think it's confidence, routines, work ethic, all the things that allow you. You know, we talked a little bit about in spring training. He had, you know, I think Scott called it the learning day in spring training. Then he went out and tore the cover off the ball the next day and really impacted the game. His ability to put the bad moment or the the bad day, bad night behind him and move on to the next at-bat or the next game or the next opportunity in center field. You know, I, I was on the road trip in New York and Toronto, and I don't know if everybody remembers, but he was stealing a base. He didn't look uh, in he got doubled off. It was like the second time this year he got doubled off. And, and Scott went and talked to him about it afterwards and said, this can't happen. Like, you have to look. 
you have to pick up the ball. We, we can't, you can't give up outs that way. So the next day, I'm standing behind the cage, uh, and Julio goes out to run the bases after his first round of BP, and he's literally practicing, looking in on every uh, attempt. Like, no one does that in BP. And the veterans are razzing him a little bit, giving him a hard time, and I thought it was incredible. It shows how seriously he takes Like He's got a smile on his face, and he's laughing about it too. No one told him to do that. He just did that on his own. That's the sort of mentality that allows him to just learn so quickly when you combine it with someone who's just so much more talented than everybody else. One of the many reasons why Mariners fans already feel this great connection and attachment with Julio is because he's, he's solely ours, right? I mean, he, he was signed internationally by the Mariners, came up through the ranks, not much time with the minors, of course, but now is already a, a young star in the majors. Can you take us back to when... Julio was being scouted by the Mariners as probably this string bean teenager out of the DR, right? And when, when you first saw him and when you signed him, could you project what he's doing now? How different is he from what you saw? Can you kind of paint that picture for us? So I have a little bit of a unique perspective on this because I, you know, there were several teams trying to sign Julio uh, at the time, um, two of which were the Angels and the Mariners, and we signed Julio the week that I started with the Mariners after <laughs> left the Angels. Um, so I, I got a text from the Angels International Director, Carlos Gomez, who now works for the Mariners as a global cross-checker, um, who said, Julio, with a with an exclamation and an angry face, uh, after we'd agreed with Julio. Uh, so that's sort of my, my intro to us uh, coming to an agreement with Julio. Uh, in terms of like what he was, always believed in the power um everybody thought Julio was going to have huge power and he could really throw natural opposite field hitter with, with big power to right and right center field nelson cruz was sort of the immediate mariners comp that came to mind what he's done with his body and his run tool and the way he's changed athletically over the years i don't think anyone saw that coming like that the best scout in the world i i wouldn't you know nobody had this not me not our international staff at the time, not the industry. No one had Julio becoming this kind of athlete, this kind of center fielder. I'm glad you mentioned Nelson Cruz, too, because I love seeing picture of them side by side. You see how enormous Julio is. And then we watch him play every day like he's a speedster center fielder. The tools are just off the charts. It's, um, it's really unique, um, and I, I would love to have some sort of credit invested in the organization, but it's really Julio. He decided he didn't like people criticizing that part of his game like i will show you i'm not just a right fielder i will show you i'm not just an average defender or an average runner uh, and he went out and did it and i remember we uh julio came to our high performance camp last year after the previous year um, we didn't have one and he worked out in tampa with a, a group of athletes in tampa and they worked on speed training and we asked julio leadership wise i think it would be good for our younger minor leaders if you were there and he said of course so he did the 30-day HP camp, and at the end, they, they were doing sprints. They did a, like a, a race day, and Julio bet that he could beat everyone, and he, you know, he raced against Victor Labrada, who's in our system now, who we think is on a 20-80 to 80 scale, a 70 runner, and Julio absolutely destroyed him, and I think all of us were shocked when we got the video, like, oh, my God, like, how is this possible that he's faster than Labrada? Was Labrada trying? And we're kind of seeing it in the big leagues. And, you know, we got a little bit of an early hint of that at, at high performance camp that maybe this was possible. And it kind of put a bug in our mind. Is center field a real thing? We started playing them there a little bit at the end of the minor league season. And our, our info was very positive. But, again, small samples, minor league defensive data. He goes to HP camp. He's the fastest guy in our HP camp. Um, he's continuing to work over the winter. He's sending his videos. So it we didn't know how likely this version was. But we did have an inkling that when we were coming into the season that he could play center field. 
that he would end up being one of the better center fielders in the league, that seems like far-fetched, and he's done it. He's, he's really, really incredible. Mariners assistant general manager Justin Hollander is our guest. I, I don't know if I've heard the Mariners in the last, my goodness, even decade, talk about a player with such high regard and then have that player back it up as quickly as Logan Gilbert has. I mean, the, the praise from Logan, about Logan, I should say, by you, by Jerry, the rest of the staff in the front office when he was drafted, it was off the charts. It was like that through his minor league career. It's been like that at the major league level. So I guess this is not a surprise that he's pitching like an all-star in his first full season. Is that is that fair? I think <laughs> my expectations are, are of him are unfair. So uh, I kind of thought this was going to happen, but I don't think it's it's really a realistic one that we all had. You know, I was talking to also true friend of the of the broadcast podcast Joel Furman um, about this, and Joel referred to Logan as an alien um, because of his ability to just do things and pick up on things and the aptitude that he has very quickly. Specifically, we were talking about him changing his secondary pitches, um, both his slider and his curveball, like doing that in season last year and then the off season, and essentially coming into this season with two new breaking balls over the course of a winter when we really, he just did it on his own. We didn't have any contact with him after the season ended last year, and Logan's an alien. He's, he's totally focused. He's Work ethic is, again, off the charts. He's got great aptitude. He's got great feel. Um, and he just he understands how his body works in a way that's really unique among starting pitchers. He knows exactly what his cues are at each stage of his delivery and where his fingertips are on the baseball. Uh, and he's, he's obviously pitching incredibly well. He's just very special. We're really, really lucky. You know, we're in this every day and watching the Mariners on a, a good stretch, trying to climb back in the race. Something that I feel like should not get lost, because this is not a normal thing that is happening right now for an organization to have Julio, who we've talked about, to have Logan Gilbert, who we've talked about. And now George Kirby has come up, and he has really opened eyes and played well. Those are three really good young players that you can dream big on all three from what we've seen specifically what have you seen from george kirby so far he's doing exactly what he did in the minor leagues which i think makes it really remarkable um in that he's not walking anybody he continues to throw strikes he's incredibly aggressive his stuff really hasn't changed um he's he's just replicating what he's done all the way through the minor leagues and he seems totally unfazed by the fact that there's a third deck on the stadium right now um, which makes him unique, and that's kind of George's affect for those who have been around him. He's not really, I wouldn't say Im impressed by anything. He's just not affected by um, what's going on around him. He just does his thing. And I was talking to some of our staff in Arizona. George is the best golfer. He's the best ping pong player. He's the best tennis player. He's just naturally gifted at all these things. And when it, he goes out to do his thing, the surrounding uh, environment doesn't really change what he knows he has to execute. And it's, it's been really impressive. And to your broader point, we're really lucky. We're really lucky that when we sort of embarked upon this rebuild or step back or reimagination <laughs> or whatever we've dubbed it, um, that we've, we've landed on some really great people and some really great talents who've been able to, to migrate to the big leagues pretty quickly. How incredible is it that when – he was drafted, I mean, please correct me if I'm wrong, but he was primarily, Kirby was primarily seen as a, a command guy, right? I mean, we know he, he throws in a coffee can in Elon, like six walks and over 100 punch outs his junior year. How has he maintained the command and then amplified the stuff to an incredible level? Like, I, I struggle to find a comp 
that has done something similar. Like DeGrom's throwing harder than he did when he was rookie of the year, right? Yep. But that's a that's an extreme example, but th- this doesn't happen often. You know, some of that is a little bit of myth-making in that uh, George was this, like, touch-and-feel, like, 89-91 mile an hour. Like, that's not really what he was, you know, both in the Cape and at Elon. Like, he would touch 95-96. He'd pitch at 93-94. So the stuff has taken... I guess, like, one-quarter turn, and that's kind of what we talked about in the draft room. Like, this guy's a quarter turn away from being an ace is what we thought, but it wasn't like we had to turn the dial 10 notches to get him there. It wasn't like he pitched at 87, and now he pitches at 97. So it's a, it's a little bit of a myth or, like, a misread of sort of what the industry thought. Like, we both had our internal scouting data and pitch data, which is, you know, the most evidence-based way to look at it, that had George touching the upper 90s in short stints and, We've turned a dial. We haven't remade George in any sort of like unique or fantastical way. He's just a little bit better, and that happens when you add strength and weight and you get a little older. Uh, nothing that I think is over-the-top crazy, I, and I don't want to discount what our PD people have done with George. They've done a ton of work on shapes and things like that, but in terms of pure velocity, it hasn't really – we haven't really like magnified by 10 times what George was doing when he was at Elon. Do you find similarities between George and Logan? I find the similarity in that they are both very confident in what they do well. They both know exactly what they do well, and they focus on doing that as much as possible. Mm. Um, they're, they're different people. They're, they have different stuff sets. Logan probably has the best pure fastball of anybody when you consider velocity, deception, movement. George is one of the best strike throwers at a young age that I've ever been around. Um, I'd be curious, like, if you merge them together, you're getting some sort of, like, <laughs> super pitcher who never walks anybody and throws nothing but fastballs by everybody. Um, but, no, they're, 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 they're similar in that they, they seem to adapt to their environments very quickly because they know exactly what they're good at. Is there a term in the baseball ops office these days that's, like, first off the bingo card every oh, day? Yes. So there is a baseball ops bingo card over there that sort of has – the most frequently used terms from everybody, whether they're just words that people insert in, like frankly or literally, <laughs> um, or they're terms of, of art, so to speak, uh, that, that that people use. Or for me, I'll, th- I'll throw myself under this proverbial bus. When something doesn't make any sense, I'll say, what are we talking about right now? And that's on the bingo card. So um, <laughs> it's it's all on there. I'll try and uh, nab a copy for you guys. There's but, a, like So there's a legitimate there is a hard le- copy bingo card. There is a legitimate well, we got to see that. Is, is, it, is it dry erased? Do we reset no, it every no, day? How no. does this work? It's, I don't know that we've actually played a whole game. I just walked over to say hi to some people, and I noticed it on the table. Uh, and it was, <laughs> it was pointed out to me that these are the phrases that are most often used by people. And... So at some point we will play a game. Perhaps you will participate. Oh, yes. I think I would love it. We would both love an invitation. Absolutely. And we can contribute. Uh, one final question, Gary. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you have one as well. For Is just- this about Gary's sweater? No, you guys are you twinsies today. You have a today, great though. sweater. You as well, Gary. Yeah, real serious twinsies in different shade and blue pants. Not, I mean, they are exactly the same. <laughs> same brand, same everything. Yes. <laughs> so good. As we uh, wrap things up with Assistant General Manager Justin Hollander, all right, a question that I've been uh, kind of circulating throughout your department, and I haven't had a chance to ask you this. I've asked Jerry. I've asked uh, Joel that you referenced earlier. Uh, uh, Dave Cameron as well. If we were to reinvent the award. I don't even know where this is going. I, sorry, I just started laughing. I <laughs> no idea if where we, this is going. If we I mean, were, it's probably going to be ridiculous. So, yeah, it's, it's gonna it, be, you're right to laugh. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. If we were to reinvent the award, 
of the batting title, mm -hmm. which currently goes to whichever qualified hitter in each league has the highest batting average. Yep. If we were to rewrite this award and the batting title would, in your book, go to the qualified hitter in each league that has the highest fill in the blank to define the best batter in baseball or in their respective leagues, at least. I, I want to think of something funny right now, and I just can't. There's nothing off the top so of my head. So you shouldn't have been laughing at this um, incredible question. Uh, WRC plus, OPS plus, whatever you Why want. are you rolling your eyes with this? Because, like, you're going to get to the same place with almost all of them. All of them, like, whatever metric you want to use that's roughly like a league in context-adjusted stat that appropriately weights on base and slugging, whether it's WRC plus or offensive war or OPS plus, you're going to get to, like, 99% of the same answers with all of them. So, like, pick your one that you like best, and I'm good with it. First of all, he talked with his hands a lot right there. There's a lot of chopping motion, <laughs> which I think is what he was saying to me. Yeah, I think he was, was chopping like big, you, yeah. I will say all everyone else that I asked that question to seemed very gracious in their response, which he gave me four. Gary, do you have a last question? Yes. What were their responses? Okay, so Jerry, Jerry said... WRC plus, but then he's like, oh, but everybody in the office would say Woba. Everything's about Woba. And then I asked Joel, and he said, I think WRC plus. <laughs> <laughs> and then I asked Cameron, and he said that he would do it simply on total bases. That's ridiculous. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell, I'm going to give Dave Cameron a piece of my mind on total <laughs> bases. It's, that's ridiculous. So walks don't mean anything? Hey, I, I've already lost credibility with you on this, so I'm glad somebody else has also. I'd go WRC+. Plus. Know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say expected WOBA just to make everybody <laughs> angry. <laughs> this didn't actually happen, but it should I, have based on the quality of contact. Can I tell you something? Here we go. We, we had, Door is open. Oh, we had a 30-minute conversation yes. at 10 o'clock at night in a hotel, in a hotel lobby, lobby yeah. in Houston, Texas with Mike Cameron all about expected weighted on base and really expected numbers in general and it was blow mike cameron me and gary <laughs> in this five-star lobby <laughs> with cammy and it was it was phenomenal i feel like cammy was both lo both loved it and hated it at the yeah. same time i do feel in a in a general sense sometimes i feel like numbers old school they're they get pitted against one another. And I, I'd like to get your take on this. I always feel like there's way more agreement than not on these things. When you really start to talk things out, you're getting to the same thing. It's just different language to get so there. So I'm actually going to change my answer now that we've had this discussion. Now, now you're giving me the bad body language and the hands throwing up in the air, Goldie. <laughs> the chopping. <laughs> the chopping. Um, I'm going to change my answer. Okay, let's hear it. Um, and I'm going to advocate. I'm going to do some organizational advocacy. I would like our rake report, our internal metric, to decide who is the best hitter in each league. So give us, since none of us are privy to this, just like the bingo so card, give us some idea here. The rake report is split up parts process and part results. So if your process is good, if you swing at the right pitches, if you don't swing and miss, if you do damage, uh, hit the ball hard at the right angles, you get points. And then you also get points just if good things happen. So if you don't hit it at the right angles, but you happen to find a hole, you still get some credit. It's just not as much as if you, 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 your process is good and you add it all up at the end of the night. And I mostly say that because, to Gary's point, when we roll out the rake report every year for our players, part of the thing we try and do to get buy-in is we show them the rake report leaders every year. And it's Mookie Betts and Mike Trout and Juan Soto and 
JD Martinez and Nick Castellanos, it's the best players in the league because they do their process is always very good. And Bryce Harper and their results tend to be very good. And if you look in any given month, the results for those players may dip down below the line, but their process always stays above the line. They always make good decisions. They hit the ball hard. They do the things that will lead to long term success. So rake report. That's my answer. How, how first of all, what is the how does that spit out? Like, how is the is that a is that a 100 base scale? Is it a we? It, so it, it is scaled to 100. It used to be total points, and we changed it because that you know it, it does disadvantage the the person who gets less plate appearances mm -hmm. to have less points. So it is now scaled to 100. Yes. Okay. And then how often do I know you mentioned at the end of the year? How often do players see that over the course of one season? I mean, they get it after every game. Um, I don't know that it's particularly useful after every game, other than to see what just happened. So, so that's so like tonight, tomorrow morning. Okay, tomorrow yeah, morning. Yeah. So yeah, those guys are cranking it out. No, it's that the data comes in overnight, and okay. usually, I don't know, it comes in my inbox about nine, ten o'clock in the morning every morning. So from all our affiliates, from the Dominican all the way up uh, to the major leagues, um, we have a, a pitching counterpart or mirror to it as well, and everybody gets one. The shove report. Wow, very good. With well, the investigative journalism mm -hmm. is running hot right now. Uh, I think we've we've somehow ratcheted this relationship to a new level. During today's session. True friends. True friends. Can I ask one more question? Sure. While we're at it. So the bullpen this year, bullpen was obviously a huge strength last year. And this year, injury, part of it, ineffective part of it. But, you know, with bullpens, we talk about it from it can be a year-to-year -year thing. It can also be a month-to-month, week-to-week thing as well. When you look down the road the rest of the season, how do you see the bullpen coming together as a unit we've seen seawald has been steady the whole time yeah. castillo has been elite as of late how do you see the rest of it coming together the the, the volatility of our bullpen is not particularly shocking uh yeah. just because they all are and right for us to think that it wasn't going to you know likely take a step backwards would have been incredibly arrogant i think just they all bullpens are always all over the place you're dealing with tiny samples uh for any individual player and you know one ball that doesn't find someone or someone doesn't make a play or a borderline pitch that does or doesn't get called it can really affect the outcomes um that come after that so yes um it has been frustrating at times to not see the results of last year even if you knew in your mind and your heart that it probably wasn't going to repeat itself in terms of like the the looking forward uh to the rest of the season we are encouraged by a lot of what we're seeing i can't say enough about what you know, I'm going to speak to the non-obvious, which are Paul Seawald and, and Diego lately. And what Penn Murphy has done for us lately has been absolutely incredible. Uh, you know, really hurt losing Sadler because he was so good in that role last year. We won so many games in the sixth inning last year where we either kept it close or we stayed ahead and gave our, our, our team. We were so good in the clutch offensively last year. Just keeping games close gave us ways to win games because we knew something weird was going to happen. We we're going to have a, a two wild pitch inning like chaos ball would rain. But that only matters if your bullpen actually keeps it close and shuts it down. And Sadler was so huge for us this or last year. And Murphy has started to do a lot of that. You know, Matt Fest has missed a ton of bats and is really taking the opportunity to run with it. We get Swanee back tonight, um, which will be big for us. He was awesome. One of our better relievers before his, his arm injury. Um, and then hopefully Giles down the line, Munoz, again, has found his way. People forget Andres Moon is 23 years old, um, and he's mostly been excellent. He's run into a couple bats and a couple unfortunate homers. We really do feel positively about our bullpen going forward, even if it has been a little up and down, not unexpectedly uh, so far this year.
Justin, we always appreciate it. Thank you for the time. Thank you. The, whoever space heater this is down here is just unbelievable. <laughs> it's a jet engine. Wow. Yeah, it's actually from Top Gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have you seen it yet? I have not. Gary? I have not. I had plans to do it uh, yeah, what happened? in Houston, and it did not happen. I walked into the theater yesterday. There, I, I took the day off yesterday, a rare off day. What? I know. Sorry. Jerry allows that. He does allow it. Uh, so I took my okay. wife to the movies. I've lived in Seattle since 2016. That's our third movie that we've seen. Uh, so we walked into the theater so you, yesterday. So you have a favorite theater. <laughs> we do, yes. Uh, and I won't do a shout-out on the air. They've got to pay for that. But um, I walked into the movies yesterday, purchased our tickets, and I look up. Major League pitching coach Pete Woodworth, Major League hitting coach Tony Arnold standing right in front of me. What? Yes. Oh, how about that? So, how about that? Do you guys all sit together? No. You guys split, you guys split, you guys split a tub of popcorn. Well, I thought it would be weird if I sat between Tony and his wife, and so like I, my wife and I had pre-bought tickets, and oh. we were you didn't want to pick your seats. Right. Yeah. So. I see. I don't know how this works. I'm in the same boat as you. I've seen like two movies in that time frame. <laughs> the Skipper saw it last night too, from what I understand. Okay. Um, Mossaman. Jack Mossaman, our our major league, uh, our director of major league operations, saw it last night. We had a, we had a whole crew. Everybody went to go see it. What did you and the wife munch on? What are we? What are we uh, I, with? I had popcorn. Uh, you know, again, you go one, three times. Oh, yeah, in I was going to say you're going to. It's like a, that's you're going to go sixty bucks on the concessions. Uh, nah, just sixteen for the drink and the popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> I actually I laughed out loud when they <laughs> when, when he told me the price. Um, well worth it. I ate about. A quarter of it, I felt horrible after I did <laughs> yeah. it, but it was it was well worth. Okay, it. so so a minor league free agent's worth of concession stand money. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, man, it's you're truly you're always so gracious with your time and your knowledge, and we can't thank you enough. Thank you for spending so much time with us once again. Thanks very much.